Luke's Gospel, chapter number 10. Good to be back in Texas. I like Texas. Everything is bigger and better in Texas. And I love Texas. I'm glad to be here. I love your church. I love your pastor and his family. And good to see the Lord doing something great. Thank you all for having me again. And I want to be a blessing to you because we're in days when we need all we can get. And uh, the power of God is real. The grace of God is real. The mercy of God is real. And we have experienced it. And man, we're in a generation where we need to express it and exemplify it. Luke's Gospel tonight, chapter number 10, I begin reading in verse 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. I'm glad tonight that that's not the end of that story. And aren't you glad tonight the story of your life does not end with you being lost and undone away from God. I'm glad God wrote another verse in this man's life. And I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you're glad God wrote another verse in your life. And God begins the next verse with a heavenly conjunction, but I'm glad one day God butted in. And every one of us tonight would still be lost and undone, but God butted in. I'm about to enjoy my introduction. I'm glad God butted in. Look in verse 33, but... A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And set him on his own beast, and here's my text tonight, and brought him to an inn. Say that out loud with me. And brought him to an end. One more time. And brought him to an end and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, took out two pence and gave them to the host. And said to him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more. Boy, I love this phrase. When I come again. Praise God. I've heard somebody else say that before. And when I come again, I will repay thee. I'm interested tonight in the phrase found in verse 34 where it said when the good Samaritan found this man and bound up his wounds, poured in the oil, that he brought him to an inn. He brought him to an inn. He did not only leave him like he found him, he did not leave him where he found him. Let me emphasize that again. Not only did he not leave him like he found him, but he did not leave him where he found him. 
He not only loved him and blessed him and ministered to him, but he didn't leave him in the same place. He brought him to an inn. What is an inn? What is a lodge in the wilderness? What is a hotel? What is an inn? Well, it's a home away from home while you're on your way home. It is a home away from home while you're on your way home. You know what the church is tonight to you and I? It is our end. It is our home away from home while we're on our way home. And the closer you'll feel at home is when you're at this home while you're on your journey to your heavenly home. An inn is a home in a temporary land. An inn is a home in a weary land. An inn is a home in a strange land. And to those of us tonight that have been saved by the grace of God, this world is a strange land. This world is a weary land, but I'm glad this world is a temporary land. But while I'm here, I have a place where I can come and be fed and be blessed because I'm in my inn, I'm in my home, away from home, while I'm on my way home. Think about it tonight. What is an inn? Well, it is a place where the stranger is welcome. An inn is not going to be in business long if it doesn't let strangers come in. In fact, everybody that comes to the inn is a stranger. You know what the church is tonight? It is a place where the door is open and the light is on and the welcome mat is laid out because it is a place where the stranger is welcome. Somebody said, Brother Joe, they said about your church the other day, you'll let anybody come. I'm glad we've got that reputation. Because I feel like if Jesus died for everybody and he'll save everybody, everybody can come into the house of the Lord. It is a place where the stranger is welcome. An inn is a place where the hungry are fed. Aren't you glad when you go to that inn, man, you can get a good meal? Because the table is spread. I'm glad there's an inn in this wilderness. I'm glad in this strange world in which we live in, there's a place where the door's not only open, but the table is spread. I'm glad Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed, and he invites not his frozen people, but his chosen people come and die. And one of the greatest evidences that we possess salvation is we don't feed where we used to feed. We've left the hog pen and we got a place at the table of God. It is a place where the stranger is welcome. It is a place where the hungry are fed. What is an inn? It is a place where the weary are rested. Because that inn is a place where the traveler can come and lay down his heavy load and rest for the rest of the journey. You know what our church is to us tonight in this world in which we live in? It is a place where the weary are rested. 
It is a place where we can come and lay down our trials and our burdens and our hardships and rest for the rest of the journey. It is a place where the stranger is welcome. It is a place where the hunger are fed. It is a place where the weary are rested. You know what an inn is tonight? It is a place where the dirty are cleansed. There's a place where the stranger can come and find refreshment and get cleansed from living in a soiled, dirty, filthy world. And you'll have to agree with me tonight, it is a dirty, contaminated world in which we live. All of us tonight are like Lot. We vex our righteous soul from day to day with the conversation and the lifestyle of the ungodly. But I'm glad there's an inn, there's a lodge in the wilderness, there's a place that I can come inside and the music is different and the atmosphere is different and the service is different and the preaching is different. It's a holiness, it's a sanctified spirit and we can come and wash the filth of the world off of us and get refreshed and get cleansed and get our mind and our focus back on Jesus Christ. It is a place where the dirty are cleansed. I'm glad that in this world in which we live in, God not only found us and God not only saved us, but he didn't leave us in the ditch. He didn't leave us in our darkness. He didn't leave us in our depravity, but he brought us to a place, our home away from home, while we're on our way home. Oh, I forgot to tell you the title of my sermon. I'm preaching tonight on this subject. We'll leave the light on for you. Because aren't you glad at Calvary God left the light on for all of us? And I'm glad tonight to be in the end. Notice in our text tonight, there are three things the end was to this man. Number one, notice in the text tonight, this end was a place for the recovery of the sinner. It is a place where that fallen man would recover from his fall. We come to the text tonight and the first man we meet is a man that goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho. While this man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he has a fall. He falls among thieves. The Bible said the thieves do three things to this man. Number one, they strip him of his raiment. Number two, the Bible said they wound him. And then number three, the Bible says they leave him half dead on the side of the road. I have just described all of us tonight our condition before salvation. Our condition before we met Christ at the cross. All of us tonight were fallen creatures. Sinners by birth and by nature and by choice. And when man fell in the Garden of Eden, he didn't stump his toe. He fell all the way to the bottom. And he is a desperate sinner. This man is a fallen man. This man is a stripped man. By the time the thieves got through with this man, they had stripped from him even the very clothes that was on his back. And let me say to every young person in this room tonight, the devil is a thief. 
and he will pillage and steal and take from you everything that's wholesome and valuable and precious in your life. He will strip your mind. He will strip your conscience. He will strip your soul. He'll even strip your physical body. By the time the thieves got through with this man, he's not only a fallen man, but he is a naked man. The Bible said they wounded this man. The little word wound in the text means more than a bruise. It means more than a surface scratch. It means to cut through the skin, through the meat, and down to the bone. Let me say it like this tonight. He was mortally wounded. He was deeply wounded. By the time the thieves got through with this man, they had left their scars and their marks. You could take one look at this man and tell he had been abused by this fall. And let me say again to every young person in this room tonight, you can live in sin if you want to, but there'll be a day in your life when people can take one look at you and tell whether sin has had dominion in your life or not. Sin mars and sin scars. The thieves had mortally, deeply hurt and wounded this man. And ladies and gentlemen, may I say this to all of us tonight. We have never preached, we have never sang, we have never ministered to a more deeply, mortally wounded society than the society that we're living in. Ladies and gentlemen, the devil, hell, and the world, and the flesh has done a number on the society in which we live. Suicide is at an all-time high. Drug addiction is at an all-time high. Broken families are at an all-time high. And brother, they need somebody that can look beyond what they look like and how far they've been and how low they've gone and what they've been through and love them because Jesus does and Jesus died for them. And to add insult to injury, he's a fallen man, he's a naked man, he's a wounded man, and now he is a dying man and a deserted man because the Bible said they leave him half dead on the side of the road. I don't know about you tonight, but to me that is a picture of total helplessness and utter despair. I believe you would agree with me tonight that this man could not help himself. This man could not pick himself up. This man could not clothe himself. This man could not heal himself. This man could not help himself. He was beyond aiding his own self. By the way, do you remember the night the Spirit of God convicted you and revealed to you that you were a fallen sinner and a naked sinner and a wounded sinner and a dying sinner and a deserted sinner and a helpless sinner? Man can't pull himself up by his bootstraps. He can't turn over a new leaf. It takes God and Jesus and mercy and grace and the Holy Ghost to save a sinner. And I'm glad one day God brought me needed into myself and I realized I needed a shape. This man could not help himself. And by the time you get to the text verse in verse 33, it looks like, it looks like nobody else can help him either. Let me say this about the two fellows in verse 31 and 32 that showed up. Out of all the people that ought to be able to help this here man, it ought to be the two fellows that showed up because they were religious people. 
But can I testify some of the meanest, most uncompassionate people I have ever met in my life were religious people. I didn't say saved people. I didn't say born again people. I definitely didn't say Holy Ghost filled people. I said religious people. Look down their sanctimonious nose and go, ooh, I'm glad I'm not that bad. I hate to burst your bubble tonight. All of us was that bad and worse. Man, while it's naked, abused, wounded, deserted, dying man is in the ditch, the priest comes by. He is a picture of religion without a relationship. He is a picture of religion without regeneration. He is a picture of religion without redemption. And may I remind you tonight, religion without Jesus Christ can't pick you up, can't fix you up, can't clothe you up, and can't get you ready to go up. Religion without Jesus Christ will leave you like it finds you. Well, he can't help himself. The priest can't help him. And then the Bible said while he's laying there, here comes the Levite. He is a picture of the law without mercy and grace. And can I say this about the law without mercy and grace? It's worse than religion without Jesus Christ. Because religion without Jesus will leave you like it finds you. But the law without any mercy or grace will leave you in worse shape than it found. The priest sees him, passes on by. But the Levite stands there and stares at him, looked on him. But man, he just passed by on the other side. Have you ever heard three strikes and you're out? Not this man. He couldn't help himself and the Levite couldn't help him and the priest couldn't help him. But I'm glad there was somebody else headed in his direction. But a certain Samaritan. I saw this phrase in the text of the day, and I bet it had a shouting spell. When it talked about the priest and the Levite, it uses this phrase, by chance, by chance, by chance. But when it comes to verse number 33 about the good Samaritan, he doesn't use the word chance, he says, as he journeyed. It may have been by chance for them first two, but that third man that came by, he came on purpose. As he journeyed. And the Bible said he came to where he was. The man can't get up and go to where the Samaritan is, but when the, oh man. But when he couldn't get up and go to where the Samaritan was, the Samaritan went down to where he was. Does that sound familiar? Squire Parsons said, when I could not go to where Jesus was, he came to me. 
And may I remind you tonight, the salvation that's proclamated in this King James Bible is not man getting right and pulling himself up and finally getting on God's level. No, the salvation that's proclamated in this Bible is that God condescended in the form of Jesus Christ and came to where we were and reached way below the bottom. I'm telling you tonight, there's help for a fallen sinner. There's hope for a naked sinner. There's help for a depraved sinner. And Jesus Christ is the answer. Came to where he was. For the Bible said him when he saw him, he had compassion. Can I remind you tonight that this Samaritan saw the same man the Levite saw? Can I remind you the Samaritan saw the same man the priest saw? And what they saw turned their stomach, but what he saw touched his heart. You know what I love about the Samaritan? He had the ability to look beyond what he was to see what he needed. He had the ability to look beyond the fact that he was fallen. He had the ability to look beyond the fact that he was naked. He had the ability to look beyond the fact that he was stripped and depraved and wounded and dead. He looked beyond the fact that he was a messed up man and he loved him, not because of what he saw, because of who he was. And aren't you glad when Jesus Christ came to you in the rags of all of our sin, he looked beyond what we were and saw what we needed and saw what we could become. And the Bible said him when he saw me, he had compassion. And the Bible said this Samaritan does three things. Number one, the Bible said he bound up his wounds. He didn't leave him like he found him. He covered it up in bandages. He bound up his wounds. And now if you're looking at this man, you don't see his past, you don't see his fall, you don't see his wound. All you see is the covering and the bandage of the Good Samaritan. I don't care where you've been, how far you stayed, how long you stayed, how low you went. If you've been to the cross and you've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, when God looks down at you tonight, he doesn't see your past, he doesn't see your sin, but he sees you robed in the righteousness and the covering of his son, Jesus Christ. I'm justified in his sight. Bound him up. Number two, I love this. Then the scripture said, Pouring in. Not on, but pouring in. And I want to say the work that God did in our heart when he saved us was more than an outside. It was an inside job. Poured it in. Somebody asked me not long ago, they said, Brother Joe, how old are you? Well, I, I answer that several ways. Number one, I'm old enough to remember a payphone. I tell you how old I am. I'm pre-Walmart. I remember going to Sears and Roebuck. Then we finally graduated to Kmart. And now it is Walmart. Now it is Amazon. Hallelujah. Someone said, How old are you? I tell you how old I am. I remember falling down as a boy, getting scratched up and wounded as a boy. And that was two things mama would always put on it. Mercurochrome and methylate. Now one of them wasn't so bad. 
But one of them, buddy, would make you do the say hyenas dance. Can I get an amen? It all make you turn yellow. Of course, from the mountains where I am, most of our grandmothers just paid a big wad of snuff on there. But anyway, <laughs> man, what this guy has, a band-aid's not going to fix him. Some methylatum or curcrum or some save is not going to fix him. He's got to have something to go deeper than the wound, deeper than the thief, deeper than the stain. He's got to have something that goes down on the inside. Boy, aren't you glad that night when the Holy Ghost led you to the cross, he did more than put a spiritual band-aid on you and rub a little do-gooder on you, but he put something in you that started on the inside. It went deeper than the stain. It went deeper than the past. It went deeper than the wound. I'm glad the salvation of Jesus Christ is a deep inside work of divine grace poured it in. And in the Bible it said he poured in two things. Number one, he poured in oil and wine. Now when I got to that oil, I got that immediately. Man, that is a picture of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He said, Thou anointest my head with oil, and I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And let me say this, there's no sin, there's no fall, there's no failure, there's no mistake, there's no mess up in all of our lives and our past that a dose of the Holy Ghost can help us get over and beyond. But then I got to that wine, and it stubbed me just a minute. Well, I do what most everybody does. When they get stubbed, they go to the Bible commentary. And I found out the guy that wrote that, he didn't know no more about it than I did. It stubbed him too. And then I remember what one of my professors in Bible college told me 30-some years ago. He said, when you're reading the Bible and you see something you don't understand, read on. Because Scripture explains Scripture. When you read something you don't understand, keep on reading. The greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Read on. So I read on. And I came to the upper room where Jesus instituted what we celebrate as the Lord's Supper. And at the table that night with his disciples, Jesus pulled out a piece of bread and he held up that bread and said, this is my body and I'm glad tonight Jesus is the blessed, bountiful, broken bread of God and there's enough bread in Jesus Christ to feed every hungry sinner that have come by the way of the cross. Jesus said, your fathers did eat bread in the wilderness, but I am the bread of life. And at that same table, at that same setting, he took a cup. And in that cup was the fruit of the vine. And what is the fruit of the vine? It's unfermented wine. And Jesus held up that cup, that unfermented wine, the fruit of the vine, and said, just like that bread is a picture of my body, This unfermented wine in this cup is a picture of my blood of the New Testament which is shed for the remission of many sins. 
Boy, what you have in this text is a picture of the Holy Ghost oil of God applying the blood of Jesus Christ to that fallen, naked, wounded, deserted man. You say, what has that got to us for all of us tonight that are fallen and lost and wounded and helpless sinners? There's no sin in your past. There's no mistake in your past. There's no mess up in your past that the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ can get you up and out and over. I'm telling you tonight, you can get over your past. You can get beyond your past. You can have victory over your past through the blood of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gets that man up under the influence of the oil and wine and brings him to that end. And the Bible said in that end, he has taken care of him in that end. And before he leaves, he says to a host, in my absence, you take care of him. I don't know what this dude's name was, but I want to slide up beside him and say, hey, buddy, if you want to get over your fall, if you want to get over your encounter with the thieves, if you want to get over being wounded and stripped and left half dead, you stay in that inn, you stay under the influence of that oil and that wine, and you stay in that inn, and one day nobody will be able to tell you ever had a mess up, you ever had a foul up, you ever had a fall, you stay in that inn, you stay stay in that, Lord God, I feel like preaching right there. You stay in that inn, you stay in that home away from home under the influence of the power of the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus Christ. I promise you tonight, you can get over your past. You can get over your past because that inn is a place where we recover from the fall. I have two ladies that sing on this side of the choir. We don't shout at our church every time we go, but we're subject to. And we'll have seven or eight real dignified services. And man, I think, man, our church is really dignified. And somebody, a politician can come or somebody that's got money can come. And they'll, whoo, and there you go. We was having one of our regular dignified Sunday morning services not long ago. And the choir got to sing that great song, Jesus Buried My Past. And right over there on the end, both of them at the same time. Whoo! Whoo! They shouted the building down. You say, what did you do? I helped them. <laughs> Had a time. I turned and looked, Brother Andrew, at those two ladies. You can't get people from more Two different worlds. One lady on that end has been in church all her life. She went to church nine months before she was born. If you didn't get that, Dr. Isabel will explain that right here in a minute. Nine months before she was born. Never smoked a cigarette. Never took a drink of liquor. And believe it or not, from Georgia, never took a dip of snuff. Been with one man, been married to one man, been in the church her whole life. Her daddy was one of the men that called me almost 32 years ago. A godly woman, a Sunday school teacher, a tither, a soul. By the way, anybody tithes like that and lives that clean can go whoop in my church anytime they want to. 
just a godly lady. Been there for 32 years for our children to be born. My wife's sickness, my, I mean, just one of them kind that's been there the whole journey. Godly lady. Standing beside of her is a lady that did not grow up in church. Standing beside of her is a lady that did not get saved as a teenager. Standing beside of her by her own testimony is a lady that's been there and done that. Standing beside of her is a lady that met her husband on Stewart Avenue in Atlanta at West Texas Barn Grill. No, that's not a Boy Scout place. That's not an afternoon glee club. That's our slum. That's our dope place. Our place of wickedness. By her own testimony, she's committed every sin in the book. But about 32 years ago, one Sunday morning, God reached down and saved her. Before she got saved, a night of family fun for them was for her kids and her husband's kids to sit around in a circle in the floor and smoke pot and listen to Elton John records. But God saved her 32 years ago. About six or eight months after she got saved, God reached down and saved her husband. I just want to say this. They've made some awesome church members. They sit in the middle section, second row from the front, and they come to church in a three-point stance. You can say, open your Bible. Yeah, man. You can preach on the maps. Whoop, hallelujah, that's where I'm going, amen. Preach on tithing. Yeah, man, that's right. I mean, they're just so glad to be saved. I said, they're just so glad to be saved. If you ask them, this is what they say. This one thing I know. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. God saved them. And she's over here in the choir beside her. Whoo! I'm going somewhere. If you'd have been at our church that morning and saw those two ladies enjoying God, you'd have never known which one I'm talking about. You couldn't have said, yeah, that's the one and that. No, the only reason why I know is they've told me their personal testimony. Because that one on this side sings like that one on that side and smiles like that one on that side and shouts like that one on that side and shines like that one on that side. Well, how in the world does she do that? I'm trying to tell you, man. She's been in that inn under the influence of the oil and the wine. And God's been giving her victory. And God's been giving her deliverance. You don't know that she was a wicked woman. You can't even tell it by looking at her. She's got a godly countenance on her face. If she was here tonight, she'd be helping me. Tell them, preacher. Tell them, preacher. Hallelujah. No telling how many dignified people she's run off from our church. But I just want to say this. Anybody that's been that far and God's been that good too, I say let a rip tater chip shout it out. You got a right because religion couldn't help you and good works couldn't help you. But Jesus reached further down than you can reach up and to whom much is given, much is required. And that's why the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Because if you've been redeemed, you've got something to say so about. She's recovered. She's made a full recovery. 
You can't never, you, you can't tell she lived a jacked up life because in that end, she has made a recovery. Everybody didn't grow up in a preacher's home. Everybody didn't have, like you and I did, a godly daddy for a preacher. There's people that the first generation Christians in their family, all they know is drinking and cussing, hell raising, and trouble and trial and fussing and fighting. But you know what a change God's made in your life. And you thank God that when you got saved, he brought you to this end where the wine was flowing, where the milk and honey was flowing, where the oil of God was flowing. And in that end, under the influence of the oil and the wine, you've gotten over it. You've got beyond it. It's just a vague memory. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ. That's why our churches has got a welcome to strangers. If they don't come in here and stay a while, they're going to be back up there again for another while. But it's a place for the recovery of the sinner. Got to hurry. Number two in the text tonight is a place for the role of the Samaritan. Notice what the Bible said that Samaritan did. He came and brought this man to the inn. And all of a sudden we meet another man in the text. He's called the host. And the good Samaritan brings this fallen man to this host and said, I'm going away. I'll be gone for a while. But in my absence, you do what I've been doing. What have you been doing? I've been taking care of him. Well, what do you want me to do? I want you to take care of him. But what did you use to take care of him? Oil and wine. And while I'm gone, keep pouring it in him. Keep pouring it on him. You serve in my absence. You serve in my stead. I'm telling you, I'm leaving you with a job to do. You be a host to this man. You know what we are tonight? I love what this young man said. We are not celebrities. We're servants. We're ministers. You know what a host is? A host is somebody who pours his life into somebody else and expects nothing in return. You don't have to raise your hand tonight, but I guarantee there's people in this room that when you got saved... You didn't know about the Bible. You didn't know about living right. You didn't know about tithing. You didn't know about witnessing. You didn't know all you knew was, whoop, something happened to me. But God puts you under the influence of a host who came along and said, we walk this way. We talk this way. We dress this way. We give this way. We pray this way. And I'm going to admit tonight, you wouldn't be the Christian you are tonight were not for that host that God put in your life. I want to say this to every young married couple in this room tonight. The greatest form of child abuse that's ever been given is to raise your family outside of the influence of a pastor and a church and a Sunday school and a staff of hosts that have put their arms around your family and love you and help you and show you the way to go. Down here sits Brother Bobby. He's a good fellow. Well, most people think he's a good fellow. And I believe he loves me. 
I believe he would help me. I've been knowing Bobby for several years. There ain't nothing I wouldn't do for him. There's nothing he wouldn't do for me. So for years, we've done nothing for one another. <laughs> How many has got some friends like that? See, I love this man. But I believe although this man loves me, he would jerk my head off and stomp a mud hole in me if I said one negative word about that man sitting right there. Not only that, that man right there would stop a mud hole in me if I said anything bad about him. And then he would stop a mud hole in me and I'd just be dead. <laughs> but you know why this man loves this man? You've been a host to him. Baba, your own testimony, you were a pretty hard case. And just tenderly, faithfully, kept on loving you. Kept on witnessing to you. And then when you got saved, he didn't expect you to live the next five minutes like you've been saved for 55 years. Can I run a rabbit if I hurry? God help this bunch of pharisaical nose in the air if it come four drops of rain. I'm trying to be nice about it. Looks down their nose. I don't think they've got it. I don't think they got it. You're the one I'm worried about. Because the religion of Jesus Christ makes you kind and merciful and gracious and patient. It doesn't make you a mean, crude dude in a bad mood. Man, don't ask me to say that again. But you loved him. And you were kind to him. You rebuked him when he needed it, but kindly. You instructed him when he needed it, but tenderly. And you've been a host. You've been a friend. He preached last, yesterday you told me and three souls got saved. You know what you did yesterday? You didn't even realize it. You're clipping coupons. You wasn't even there. And clipping coupons. Every person he's led to Christ, you got to clip a coupon. Because you've been a host. Brother Bobby told me a while ago that one of his friends that he had been witnessing to how long? For 10 years, got saved yesterday. And, oh boy, oh boy. I get where I got liberty and I want to preach all night, can I? Oh my, and he'll be a host to that man like this man was to that man. Man, I can look back in my life and I, I know their names. I know their faces. I know what they look like. I would not be where I am tonight. I would not be who I am tonight were not for the grace of God and a good host that came along beside of me that encouraged me when I was discouraged and strengthened me when I was weak and showed me the right way to go. I want to tell you, you want to be like Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? Find an old sinner. Get him to God. Get him saved and love on him and host him and take care of him and and touch his life with your life. A host. A host is somebody who pours their life into somebody else and expects nothing in return. And let me say again, I love what you said. You're right. Man, somebody don't have to brag on me for 10 minutes before I preach. In fact, when they do all of that, I get nervous. It's almost embarrassing. 
I've heard some people introduce some people. It was more than embarrassing. It was plum sickening. And I'll tell you the problem we've had in our day, some people go to believe in everything everybody says about him. And boy, when you do that, they think, I mean, I preached with the greatest preachers in America. You know how I know? They told me they were. Some people are legends in their own time and some people are legends in their own mind. Can I get a witness? We're ministers. We're hosts. Let's all of us leave this place tonight and find an old sinner out in the ditch of sin. Tell him about Jesus. Love him to Calvary. Love him to the cross and pray with him and stay with him. Hang in there with him. Love him when he's right. Love him when he's wrong. Lift him up when he's down. Be a blessing to somebody and have some fruit on the other side when we see the Savior. That inn is a place for the recovery of the sinner. It's a place for the role of the Samaritan. But let me say lastly tonight, number three, this inn is a place for the return of the Savior. You remember what the good Samaritan said to the host? I'm going away, and in my absence, while I'm gone, take care of this man. And he even gave him what he needed before he left. And he gave him a promise. Whatsoever thou spendest more. Because in the long run, it's not going to cost you to serve me. And he said, when I come again, I will repay thee. Where is he coming back to? He's coming back to the end. Who's he coming back for? The host and the recovering man. You say, what has that got to do with us? Jesus is coming again. He that will come will not tarry. He is coming again. Where is he coming? He's coming for the church. Who's he coming for? The host and the church. Who's he coming for? For them recovering sinners in the church. Oh, by the way, did I tell you, all of us tonight are not only hosts, but all of us tonight are still recovering sinners from our fall and from our past. And we're waiting on Jesus to come. I got a wild imagination sometimes. I can imagine that old boy. Waking up in that inn. Where am I? Wow. Who are you? How did I get here? How would you like to be in a fly on the wall and heard that host explain to that man how he got there? Probably went something like this. Man, you went down that road. You fell among thieves. They stripped you. They wounded you. Man, they messed you up and left you to die. And you would have died, but this man came along that you don't even know. You've not met him yet. I emphasize yet. He looked beyond your fault and saw your need. And in spite of you being naked and fallen and wounded and deserted, he loved you. He had compassion. He bound you up. He poured it in. He set you on and he brought you to. Son, you'd have died in that ditch if it hadn't been for that man. 
And I can see that old boy say, wow. I wished I could meet him. I wished I could have the opportunity to say thank you. And I see that old host begin to smile and say, son, you're going to get your chance. Son, one day that opportunity is going to come. Because the last thing he said before he left, I'm coming again. And when I come again, it'll be payday someday. You say, what has that got to do with us? Love sinners to Jesus comes. Help sinners to Jesus comes. Be a blessing to people to Jesus comes. And it's payday when he comes and he will come. And it will be worth every mile of the trip. I can't help but believe every morning that a boy got up and he had that faraway look in his eye. Who are you looking for? I'm looking for that man. Who are you looking for? I'm looking for that man that loved me, that man that forgave me. What are you looking for him for? I want to tell him thank you. I want to praise him. I want to bow at his feet and say thank you. And said, I believe one day the shadow became a figure and the figure became a knock and the door opened and in walked that man. And I believe that old fallen recovering sinner said something like this. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. How many are glad one day the Lord came to where you were? And he looked beyond your fault and he saw your need and he bound you up and he poured it in and he set you on and he brought you to and he's made a promise, I'm coming back again. And when he comes, we'll thank him and praise him for saving us. At Calvary, Jesus left the light on. Let you and I leave the light on for men and women and boys and girls to come and meet Christ and have their life changed by the power of God. There was no room for Jesus in their end, but there's all kind of room in our end for sinners.